Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this broadcast of the Weekly Beat. Uh, my name is Dumi Jere. I'm coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. As usual, my beautiful sister is with me, Maggie Omotesi from Dakar in Senegal. How are you? How is everything? No, everything is all right. Everything is all right. Things seem to sort of be stabilizing, if I should say that. I don't know if I... In terms of uh, business, in terms of uh, everyday life? I guess so. Almost like two years ago, Mm. this week, I Mm. think the whole world was now in total lockdown. Yeah, that's in April. Like, we were not allowed to go out of the houses, go to places, roads were empty, people working from home. Mm. You only go out if you need medical attention or to go to the shops. Uh, anything else, you need a special permit. It was even worse in Dioburg. <laughs> yeah, mm. tell me about it. And we were all going into this lockdown, all united, and we didn't know what was to come. And mm. it's funny how time flies, uh, because two years later on, um, the world sort of seems to be in a very unsure position. On the one hand, um, African governments are dropping the requirements for masks and all of those things. Mm. At the same time, in China, uh, they are now in hard lockdown because keep rising. Uh, yeah, so it's a and this time around for children too. Yeah. yeah. And so it's one of those where uh, you, you, you ask yourself, uh, is it behind us or are we just in the middle or are we reaching the end? Because uh, no one knows. But I am very exhausted. Uh, but hey, I still yeah. just have to hold on and um, continue listening to the authorities I guess when was the last time you traveled I don't want the world to come after me that I have uh, been all over even with this I've been traveling at least okay and what have you observed um, around the requirements um, the countries that you've gone to do they still require PCR tests or if you're vaccinated yes. you're okay or I think um, a week ago I was in Cap Verde and um, I didn't have to, when I gave them my, my, my vaccination card, they, they let me go. They didn't ask for a PCR test. But then uh, when I landed in Dakar, I had to present both. But what I, for me, what I've realized is that it's no longer that interesting or exciting to travel. In fact, when I have to travel, I get even more anxious Mm. Uh, about COVID tests, about, you know, you know, everything that I really have to go through. But uh, mentally, it's not um, as easy or as it was for me years ago, uh, because mm. also in my job, you could wake up today and find yourself somewhere, you know, covering yeah. a story or going for to cover, to, to collect something. So now it's um, it's quite different. I, I feel like we are confined. I'm one of those people that are so worried about, you know, working from offices ever again. I always feel like I don't think I ever <laughs> uh, will feel comfortable again or anything. So for me, uh, there's a, a, a lot that drastically changed. Mm. 
Uh, but when you were talking about this week specifically in 2020, I was actually locked out of Nairobi because I was in Kenya and I had no idea until we saw on TV an hour uh, before, because I was flying out the following day and the president the day before announced and said, oh, you're in lockdown. Hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, I have a flight tomorrow. So you had to stay <laughs> wherever you were. And, um, <laughs> and the, <laughs> the panic and, uh, and, and everything that happened, I think, I think when one thing I've learned is to learn to be kind to everybody else because mm. It's been two years. We look at it as if it's um, a very short period of time. But in terms of work, in terms of career, in terms of business, mm. so much has changed for people in terms of yep. their personal lives. And, and that shift, that, um, you know, quick shift towards a certain kind of life that you find yourself into two years mm. later, I, I don't mm. think for everybody was, for many people was optional. Um, yep. Some just chose it, but we we still keep moving. But what have been some of your biggest lessons, though? So for me, I'll say above everything, placing a very high value on life. I mean, we have so many people that we lost over the past two years. I remember speaking to my uh, little sister the other day, and I was like, uh, you know, we really should be thankful that you know our family, our closest circle, is still intact. Like we didn't lose anyone. Yeah. Um, and I remember almost shouting at my parents because my parents are older <laughs> now, so they didn't quite understand some of these things. So you almost have to like uh, infuse fear in them, like, hey, do not go out of the house. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, I think above all, um, the value of life, uh, also listening uh, to authorities, even sometimes when it feels very inconvenient, sometimes you're like, hey, some of these instructions don't make sense, like honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the long run, I mean, we can't argue with science. We are not scientists. We're just mm. entrepreneurs in Africa. I uh, know. So. You know what I read? That there was a rise in our entrepreneurship globally uh, during this period of time. Mm-hmm. What do you think really caused that? Well, the one factor is that um, a lot of people lost jobs. So that's the one very sad factor. And sometimes we go into entrepreneurship, not because of choice, but because it's the last resort. That's the only that's there. If uh, a whole lot of people are also losing their employment elsewhere, then that means the chances that I'll get a job somewhere else are Mm. going to be very slim. So what is my next option? Because I still have a family Mm. that I need to feed, need to put food Mm. on the table Mm. and all of that stuff. So you then tend to entrepreneurship in some form or another. And so I would attribute it to that. On the flip side, a lot of people also quit their jobs. There was a realization of, you know, whether I'm doing the right thing or not. And uh, I think for me, that was the most interesting part of it. But um, on the other side, do me, I think for the African continent and for some of us that were following each and everything, it showed us who Africa's friends are, where we are, you know, on the global stage. But also I also feel like there was a a lot going on in terms of what would happen to Africa during that time. There was a realization of, oh, so this is what you guys think of us, you know, even in terms of this and, and, and everything else. Honestly, I really hope that there are lessons to pick, especially in terms of um, sustainability, to be self-sufficient as a continent. Because mm-hmm. at a time where you are not able to buy stuff from China or get anything from Europe, we were just here. You know, we didn't even have medication. You know, we didn't have vaccines. We didn't have anything. I hope that that's a lesson we can pick from 
and uh, be able to develop our own factories, develop our own, you know, um, avenues mm. to feed our people. So mm-hmm. this is for me one of the biggest lessons I learned, actually. Yeah. And it's very good that you mentioned that because, uh, I mean, this show, after all, it's about investments across the continent. Mm. So uh, you highlighting that, uh, it also highlights the opportunities that exist um, for investors, for entrepreneurs, um, mm. for people that want to pivot or expand into other industries and so forth. But I can't tell you how happy I am that almost all the countries surrounding South Africa uh, yeah. So that's your Zimbabwe, your Botswana, your Eswatini, uh, Namibia, all those guys. You can now just go there with your vaccine card. Uh, oh, so that's I'm amazing. Very happy about that. That's really amazing. I mean, yep. there's, there's yep. a lot to celebrate. And, and uh, you know, when I talked about, um, uh, you know, looking within ourselves for uh, for solutions, it also brings us to what we want to talk about today, which is um, the Democratic Republic of Congo joining the East African community. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's monumental because Congo is one of the largest and most populous countries now that we have in the ESC. It, as somebody mm-hmm. who comes from within the region, I know the East African region is. It's one heck of an organized uh, block that has seen uh, progress over the years. And, um, you know, it has a growing population, but also, um, it's, it's welcomed different countries like South Sudan, uh, like DRC. And now we're looking at a GDP that has moved, rather a regional GDP that has moved from $193 billion to $240 billion by just having Congo, um, you know, within the block. Cause Congo comes with a population of over 90 million people with all that it, the resources that it has. Uh, you can imagine it's been neighboring five of the ESC countries, but not being into the block. So there's been all those in the past, but now, you know, you lo- you're looking at, okay, what will actually happen now that mm-hmm. we have a big player, uh, a big uh, country that produces probably 60% of the world's cobalt, you know, what yes. could really happen for this region? What, what are we looking at? And it's been really exciting news. And I've been reading a lot of articles around it. And, you know, of course, we're always skeptical when it comes to Africa, unfortunately. We're always like, oh, will this happen with the security? Oh, will this happen yeah, with yeah, the infrastructure? Yeah. Of course yeah. it's going to happen. I think we sometimes <laughs> just have to be a little optimistic. I honestly don't know how to think about it. I don't know where to place my excitement. Is it going to yield some results? I'm thinking and I'm like, this is really big for the region, but yeah. is it really going to happen? Um, or are we just going to, you know, take a step ahead and then take five back? But uh, like I said, we have to be a, li- a little bit optimistic. Uh, what do you think yeah. of this? Well, so the way I look at it is um, uh, if we're going to have, uh, almost call it a ballless Africa, it starts from the work that is done per block. Mm. So. If you look at um, Southern Africa, uh, almost, if I'm not mistaken, all of the countries, they can now visit one another without having to apply for a visa ahead of time. So you get your visa on arrival at the port of entry of the respective country. In uh, East Africa, some other countries, they actually can travel without a passport, only an ID. Yeah, only an ID. And uh, you don't need a visa, you just need a stamp. Exactly. So now, uh, with the joining of DRC, obviously maybe some of those uh, formalities have not quite been ironed out. 
But we then expect all of those things to then happen. And that is the only way that uh, we can increase trade and take advantage of the AFCFTA by one, doing away with these borders that were formed in Berlin in 18, whatever year it was, um, <laughs> without our consent even. And then some people uh, then just came and said, oh, this is now your border. This is now your border. This is now your border. Whereas we're actually one people. I mean, I was in uh, Tanzania uh, a couple of weeks ago. And people actually thought I am from Tanzania. I'm like, no, I'm not. You um, are from Tanzania. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm an ah! African after all, so I can be from any country in Africa. But when we look at it from maybe a trade perspective, mm. I think it just opens up more room uh, for activity to happen. So look at a country like uh, like Burundi, for example, right? Hmm. If Burundi says, uh, for for example, produces something and they want to send it to Europe, their only uh, exit was through either hmm. Tanzania and then the port and then out on hmm. that Indian Ocean side. Now, hmm. with the coming in of uh, Democratic Republic, Republic of, Congo, of Congo, they are now also able to take their goods to uh, via DRST and yeah. out via the Atlantic Ocean. So yeah. it's it 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 opens up more opportunities and more trade, more competition. Um, uh, it just makes life easier for everyone. Uh, uh, provided, though, that the DRC works on some of its road infrastructure and road Because <laughs> years and years of wars have damaged those things. So it'll be interesting to see. And I agree with you. I mean, for uh, the FCFTA to happen, we did an episode about this sometime last year, looking yeah. at putting our little homes together before we go bigger. And of course, there are lots of theories that, you know, lots of analysts who say, oh, let's first put the blocks together. Uh, Ecos has the same the same thing. I mean, you, you use your ID to travel across West Africa as well. And oh, I just got okay. to know about this the other day. Yeah, East Africa has the same thing. And of course, um, South Africa, like you mentioned. But for me, I think I look at it in a way that, you know, from the Indian to the Atlantic Ocean, you have Congo that borders these other countries um, in the center and the west. And, uh, you know, you have the East African community that has for long uh, been open to each other. I think East African community has really been progressive in terms of trade and customs. Of course, there are still hurdles, like many countries like Tanzania in the past, I think was one of the biggest challenges, um, but we're hoping that it gets better. Yeah. But I love to talk about trade and investments to me so much. But yeah. what is trade and investments if there is no movement of people, you know? How are you going to do this trade if you can't freely move to a country? Like, even the whole idea that you need a visa on arrival. Why do you need a visa on arrival? Mm, why can't mm, you travel mm. with your own, you know, ID? Why isn't it easier for you to just walk in as, you know, we have passports that show East African community, e mm. Isn't that enough mm. to, to let me go without giving me, you know, asking for a visa? So I always say that we can't trade, we cannot doing intra-Africa investments and intra-region investments if we absolutely cannot let people travel freely. Because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's, it's not about, you know, business, business. It's about the people. They make the business. They make the trade. I mean, you're not going to put your money in Tanzania before going there to see what's really going on. At the end of the day, you want to understand that, okay, is it favorable for me? This is why it's always harder for Africans to invest within Africa because they can't travel freely. 
But it's easier for actually a foreigner to come and invest within Africa because they don't need to apply for visas. They need to just get them on arrival. So a lot of that for me, I think um, even as Congo joins, um, we, we should take baby steps and first open up to the people, first make free movement of people before we even start with the goods. Let people move freely. True. I think alongside people, for me, the next thing that should be looked at is uh, the infrastructure, like I mentioned. Yeah. When you get to a border of DRC and another country, <laughs> the infrastructure just completely changes. So if <laughs> they're going to take full advantage of all of these things, infrastructure needs to yeah. be taken care of, the roads, the yeah. rail. Uh, it's not as yeah. good as compared to the other countries. Uh, even once you're now within DRC, uh, the corridors uh. that uh, lead into the into the major towns they have to be mm. reworked because the roads are very poor. So for me, that would be the one thing. Uh, the second actually should be the first thing for me mm-hmm. is, um, let's face it, insecurity. DRST has not been one of the stable countries uh, in the world. Some people even use, go ahead and use a, a word, chaotic country. I don't want to use such a word. But <laughs> the insecurity, the wars that go on, especially in Eastern uh, DRC, the areas of Goma yeah. and all of that. Mm. There's war that has been going on for years and it's almost like we are tired of it. We don't, like we don't talk <laughs> about it anymore. It's like, ah, ah those people are just <laughs> fine. Ah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but if trade is going to boom, uh, mm. those things need to be taken into consideration because mm. if I'm going to move my goods, then I need to be assured that they are safe. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done while we rejoice. Yes, we also are aware of the challenges that exist and mm. the work that must be put in by uh, the respective presidents. Well, yeah, of, of, of one of Jerry, I think he's also the chairman of, was he not the chairman of African Union currently? He was, I um, think he stepped down this year. He, he oh, was it changed, last year. it went to Senegal or somewhere there. Yeah, it went to Senegal, yeah. Yeah, so it's coming at a good time, a time when him having been in power and also, I mean, having, having been new in power as well as uh, taking over the chairmanship of uh, African Union the past year, uh, he has seen, he has interacted mm-hmm. with lots of other countries and he has seen how uh, it benefits his country to be mm-hmm. united and uh, join in other people. The one mm-hmm. thing though that I don't quite get is how as a country you say, where do you place yourself? Because DRC is also part of Southern Africa. So is it just a country that's positioning itself well that, okay, yes, I'm part of Southern Africa, but I'm also part of East Africa? Yeah, but DRC actually borders five East African countries. It borders Rwanda, you know, Tanzania, Uganda. The only country it doesn't border, I think, is uh, Kenya. Kenya. So, yeah. yeah. But also look at it this way. I mean, they have the resources. We want to be a part of Maybe they don't want to position themselves, but people want them to position. <laughs> because we're moving well, into we're a place for renewable energies. You know, they have what, what, what's going to be the whole test cake in the next couple of years. Uh, oh, so, yeah. True. Well, then I guess maybe the fault is uh, Southern Africa's fault because they didn't quite take advantage of the relationship <laughs> that they had with DRC to make use of those resources. And... <laughs> have lithium <laughs> batteries and all of those things. So. Yeah, but I think, uh, for me, I think seeing DRC join ESC, and it's not just because I, I come from the East African community, but 
I always feel like there is a sense of um, togetherness within the ESC in terms of uh, mm. progress. Um, yeah. There are a lot of things they have achieved um, and it's never easy. Of course, we talk about closed borders and all of that, but there's so much they've done in the past when you look at, you know, customs, when you look at uh, movement of, 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 of persons within the, the region. And having DRC in, I hope that ESC has been progressing. There is actually um, some progress made with the Congo when it comes to even security or infrastructure. And uh, we've passed the times of having, you know, uh, uh, insecure, like unstable countries. You have neighbors, you can't have a neighbor that is always unstable. You're just never going to grow. At some point, mm. we really need to get over it and, and, and find ways to move forward. But again, Dumi, we can talk for days or hours and have yeah, these conversations yeah. around Africa. But I think it's a good thing for uh, the business community within East Africa, uh, Kenya, you know, Tanzania. There's so much that can be done in the Congo, but it's also good for Congo. Mm-hmm. It's good for Congo. They produce, maybe this gives them a market, 170 yeah. million people, something yeah. within the ESC. That is a market you can, you know, you can produce for. Even for East African countries, 90 million people in just one country. This is a market that you need for your banks, Kenya, the banking sector, you know, for your mm-hmm. goods that you're producing, for your coffee, for all of that. This is also good for the business community. But again, um, we're talking about AFCFTA. Maybe it's time to set up really proper hubs and manufacturing okay. plants across Africa. And it could be a starter. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As we close, you are an uh, East African, uh, well, native. Uh, educate me. Do, do almost all the countries in East Africa speak Kiswahili? No, but most of them do. Tanzania, Kenya, Congo speak Kiswahili. In DRC. The DRC Congo speaks Swahili. So actually, okay. it's, it's getting back home. And right. uh, <laughs> half of the country speaks Swahili. But even those that don't speak Swahili have made Swahili an official language. So they are adapting and moving towards mm-hmm. making it official. But also, okay. um, I think you will go to Rwanda, Uganda, or Burundi. You will speak Swahili like you speak English. You will find people that speak it. So it's a language we all know. It's a language we're uh, used to. It's a language we're familiar with. So I could yeah. say maybe 70% of the region really yeah. speaks yeah oh, nice and that's very good for trade i think and even those that don't speak Kiswahili, you know the words uh, they speak french yes you go to rwanda um, you can still speak french i think for the informal sector within the esc huh. i think 90 percent speak swahili oh right yes for the informal traders now that you've actually mentioned it because this is the language of of business uh, money money business yeah this mm, is the language mm. of money business yeah so it could be like a uh, Third of the entire region, you know, speaks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if that doesn't say unity, well, I don't know what does. <laughs> uh, look, look um, I think in closing, we know that uh, the DRC obviously is going to enjoy lower tariffs, um, removal of certain administrative barriers. Uh, and some, and this is something that hasn't happened for decades and decades and decades, mm. despite them uh, having used the ports in Mombasa or Dar es Salaam to import some of their goods, depending on the region which they are uh, within DRC. So any progress that happens in Africa, some people may call or may look at me uh, funny for being positive and optimistic about some of these things. But hey. If I'm not positive, then I don't know what other feeling to have then. <laughs> it would be difficult for me to do business. So 
we're going to keep our eyes on this development closely mm. and uh, we continue hoping for the best in the future. And as a new developments happen, I'm sure we'll revisit this topic in future episodes and build up on this conversation. But for now, we're going to have to leave it here, folks. Thank you so much uh, for tuning into this broadcast, wherever you are. Um, as we as as we started the 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 the, the, the broadcast talking about uh, the coronavirus, well, it's still there, folks. It's still real and it's still within us. Um, if uh, if you can, please do get vaccinated. That's the only way we can actually um, open up our borders much much sooner. Um, do not develop a casual attitudes. And on that note, special thank you to my co-host Maggie. Truly, truly appreciate this discussion, and uh, you educated me on a couple of number. I mean, a number of things around uh, the East African community. And hey, that's what the show is about, right? Knowledge exchange. So thank you for that, uh, folks. Remember to visit our website mansamedia.africa for more information about um, uh, the continent or any other stories that you may have missed, uh, as well as visit our social media pages Mansa Media. Africa on Facebook and Mansa underscore media on Twitter. Please also subscribe to our weekly uh, newsletter called The Third Opinion. comes out every Friday. We give you uh, snippets of what's going on across the continent. Please subscribe. Till the next episode, I am Dumit Jere and here's to peace and profit. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.